Hi, and welcome to Girls on Fire, the podcast. Girls on Fire, the podcast is a celebration of our girls, our community and our school. It's where we invite people to come and have a chat about what drives them and what inspires them. It's a place to hear from our amazing young ladies and the world around them. Hi there, I'm Grace and today I'll be interviewing collegian Zoe Flood, who is a journalist and documentary filmmaker based in Nairobi. Hi Grace, great to be here. I'd like to start by asking what your fondest memory from MLC was. I would say the friends I made here were probably the the best memories I have from here and I'm still in touch and friends with quite a lot of them today. But also I really enjoyed, um, if that doesn't make me sound too square, I really enjoyed the academic work here. I found it really challenging. Yeah, really the facilities were great. Everything was great. I loved my time here. And in terms of getting to where you are now, did you rely on co-curriculars in terms of building a portfolio and skill? So for me, the extracurricular activities I did at school and at university really helped me find my passions. After I left school, I went to Oxford and studied history and politics, which was a fantastic grounding for a career in journalism. But I also edited the student newspaper. I founded a current affairs magazine. I co-founded the Oxford University Media Society and a lot of those elements really helped me move forward. Do you have a particular feeling that you associate when you when you go into an interview that whether it's nervousness or excitement or anything like that that you have to face each time you interview someone? I think the feeling of nervousness never quite goes away. I also feel a real sense of responsibility, especially when I'm interviewing people who aren't politicians, who aren't spokespeople, who aren't officials. When I'm interviewing, I guess, ordinary people, people who's uh, who are going to share their, their stories with you, it really does feel like a responsibility. So you just really want to make sure that you get it right. Do you have a particular interview that is ingrained in you forever and you always think about when you begin another one? There are a few interviews that I've done where I've, you know, interviewed for example the president of a country and I've also been operating two cameras and recording sound at the same time on the technical front I always try and make sure that I'm very prepared you don't want to be in a situation where you're uh, fiddling around trying to fix things when somebody's sitting there giving you their time there are several interviews that I've done where people have shared really powerful and traumatic experiences with me again it's a sort of feeling of responsibility and privilege that they have chosen to share that experience with you and trusted you with it get to the truth of what they want to say rather than what anyone else might want to hear i watched your um your short film for the human rights watch for the central african um, republic and in that there was a particular interview you did with a young girl who would take driving away from her situation over all the money that you could give her in the world. When you do those sorts of interviews, um, you experience, I'm assuming you experience guilt throughout that. What do you do when you know that there's nothing else that you can do for them after, the, after you've interviewed them? I think it's a very good question and it's certainly a dilemma and a, a battle that I think journalists can face inside themselves as often people who work in journalism, you are not just motivated by the desire to tell a story but also to see some of those stories lead to change or impact in people's lives and I think that conflict is something that doesn't go away you try to do your best by the person telling the story you understand that that they often wonder why you can't do more why you're not there giving them material support why you're not giving them financial the sort of codes of conduct of journalism would would also prohibit you from doing because it would distort your relationship with the interviewee in that particular moment I mean there's a lot of people who try and help people afterwards in different sorts of ways that said when you do a lot of stories you do meet a lot of people and you can't 
really always find a way of helping everybody. So it's something that you do have to come to terms with and just say, okay, the the cost of doing this, this is what I'm going to just have to internalize and say, okay, um, I will accept that sense of guilt or that sense of impotence and try your hardest to make sure that the storytelling that will also contribute to change in a different way. Um, it's a pretty um, unsatisfying, I guess, mental trick, but it's, uh, it's, I guess, one that many journalists play. Important to do so in terms of your well-being as well. And in terms of doing sort of confronting interviews, what are some important tips in terms of what you need to do for yourself so that the sadness and the trauma that you see on a daily basis doesn't infringe on your life? I think I'd immediately say, you know, good self-care, you know, doing all the right things to look after yourself physically for your physical well-being or contribute to your mental well-being. That said, it's all easier said than done. And once you're in a sort of busy, hectic uh, career, you're running around, you're traveling a lot, it's hard to always make the time to sort of reflect on things. I'm always motivated by the fact that I sort of want to do more work, want to tell more stories, um, and I tend to personally maybe forget forget to process things a bit mm-hmm. these stories people's experiences if you're an empathetic person which I think a lot of journalists are I feel like I'm an empathetic person they will affect you and you just just need to recognize that that's going to happen and in terms of doing this as a professional career how does passion play into choosing to work in these harsh environments Oh, I think journalism is hugely about passion. I think as an industry, it's uh, suffered a lot. In terms of the economics, there's been huge cuts to the industry across the world. So you're not going to be very well compensated in the way that other industries are. So if you're interested in in, in money, uh, it's probably not the, 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 the sort of immediate option to choose. However, it's extremely rewarding. It's extremely dynamic. You know, you have the privilege of being able to go up to people and ask them about their lives and certainly if you're passionate about that and if you uh, derive both joy and meaning from it then the relatively low pay the often difficult conditions the very long days the you know occasionally sleeping on a floor somewhere random all that stuff just doesn't really matter that much and then speaking of rewards do you have a particular highlight of your career I've actually never been asked that question before, so I've never thought about it specifically. And I don't think there's a particular story, mostly because I feel so lucky and grateful to have been able to have the experiences, the professional and personal experiences that I've had. I would just say that I think the opportunity to be able to meet so many different people and to think about the world and see the world from so many different ways, probably a sort of overarching highlight. Do you have any advice for those wanting to pursue similar careers? If you're interested in a career in journalism or in the media, I'd definitely engage as much as you can with the media, with yeah. with, with the way that stories are told. Um, I would definitely take any opportunities to get some work experience and it doesn't have to necessarily be with a a media house or a media entity or a newspaper it can also just be making a podcast or you know producing a short video or doing something off your own back I often say to people you know don't wait until you can afford to buy a big camera just do something with your phone you know an entire feature films get recorded on iPhones just like test it out see if it if it's for you when I was younger I was really shy and it's sort of hard to imagine now when you're a practicing professional journalist. And have you enjoyed sort of watching the development of some of the places you've worked in? 
over the past 10 years. I think it's been really fascinating to have been based in Nairobi for 10 years and then have yeah. spent a year there earlier on. The change in, in, in Nairobi, which is the capital city of Kenya and the economic hub for the East African region is absolutely extraordinary. It's dramatic. It has completely grown as a city in an amazing way, but also in a way that has caused problems in terms of the infrastructure and public services not keeping up. Um, but to see the innovation and the creativity with which people sort of approach dealing with those problems is really inspiring. I always say that the 4G signal in my flat in Nairobi is better than the signal I can get on my cell phone in central London. I was wondering what your first film that you ever made was like. I came into filmmaking sideways. I started off as a print journalist and then started to work in, in, in film and documentary making. The first piece that I shot on my own, um, I have to be honest, I was very um, out of my depth. I wouldn't have hired me to do it, but it was a great opportunity. Uh, I, I was Googling things like crazy on my smartphone, trying to work out how to do things with a camera that I wasn't very familiar with. But I managed to make a piece that I was quite happy with and that actually became a springboard for lots of other work in the future. But I definitely, I would say that it was quite a stressful experience. <laughs> a good example of how even if you don't feel like you're entirely ready for something, that if you just get on and do it, it can often lead to much bigger things in the future. Well, just as we're recording this, it's the Oscars happening right yeah, now and yeah. the BAFTAs last weekend. And I think that, you know, one of the things that's been noted is that while there's been a real dearth of female directors in the sort of feature film categories, yeah. actually in the documentary categories, women are increasingly well represented as directors, yeah. as the sort of t as the leaders of those teams and crews. And I did see all the sort of complaints about the Oscars and the lack of female directors in sort of the best film sort of categories as well, which was quite frustrating to see. Absolutely, and I really hope that does change. And yeah. I think if you were feeling frustrated by that, I'd, I'd encourage you to watch the Best Feature win the Independent Spirit Awards, which happened the day before, mm -hmm. in which a young female director won Best Feature for her film The Farewell. And that was a really amazing moment. And I think that the whole room stood up in, in a standing ovation. Well, thank you so much for coming in to have a chat to us today. It's been awesome. Oh, thanks, Grace. It's been lovely to be here. Lovely to be back. We hope you enjoyed episode three of Girls on Fire, the podcast. Stay tuned for next week's episode. <laughs>